0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we're going to talk about set points.
1: (laughs) What's a set point?
0: point? (laughs) Uh, We were just chatting before the show and I had never heard this term before, although I think I just used different words for it. So I guess the overall conversation today is going to be around your mindset about money in your business. And potentially uncovering or breaking through self-limiting beliefs and so forth. Uh, but we're very excited about this. It might be a little bit woo-woo for us, but
1: yeah, Jonathan's assured me if we get into woo-woo territory, he's going to pull it back. But my theory <laughs> is that he might go woo-woo, and I have to pull him back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it could be. It could be. I've got I I've got a, a pretty woo-woo past. I was an artist. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I had an experience that is related to this. It's not specifically around money, but I, I had this experience where um, I had this girlfriend in like right after college, right around then. And she would talk like she'd have, she planned big things. Like she, she had um, you know, she had a real business and it. You know, back then I was just like playing guitar on the streets and, uh, and would make big things happen. Like stuff that got on TV, you know, like it was, she mm-hmm. would do big things. And she had this trait that I recognize a lot, where she would just she'd talk to like everybody about this idea she had. So she's like, "I had an idea for this new thing, and it, I think it'd be like this. Like, what, what do you think?" And and I was like, "That is so so not me." Like at the time, I would be like, "Well, it's like the idea is like half baked. Like it's nothing there. Like why is she even talking about it?" I would be embarrassed to talk about it if it had been me i would like keep it to myself and i would want to like work on my little idea and perfect it in my mind and then like launch it on the world and of course it would be crickets every time but so (laughs) she she would do this thing where she would talk about it and it was like the universe unlocked and people would be like oh you know who you should talk to and it, it was like by just bringing up this concept and sharing it she would get all of these introductions and donations and support and Mm -hmm. you know if people believed in the idea even though there was no plan no nothing no no like you know she'd like have a vision basically i've got a vision for this thing and then she would say to someone like how should i do this and be like that's so embarrassing you're like you're kind of like admitting (laughs) you don't know how to do it and she's like well i don't know how to do it
1: and, and she's now on the Forbes list.
0: Yeah, no, no but but she, but she, you know, but she would make it work and I was like, yeah. I was super fascinated by that because every time she would do it, it made me maybe die inside. I was mortified on her behalf. But then it worked and I was like, oh, maybe I'm the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like so to me that that that's always been my example of of like I think the sort of power positive thinking thing is BS, but if you open your mouth so, like, if you have the idea and then you share the idea and you ask for help, then you get it. <laughs> you know? It's like, duh. But So it's not strictly it's not like like you have to have the positive thought. You have to have the vision. And then and, and then and then like putting it out there, publish. Basically, she published the idea this is before the internet though. So it was like basically conversations on the phone and published the idea. And then it started to come together. Like the the blocks would fall into place and there's still tons of work to do, but uh, it it was just so shocking to me, but I was like, Oh, okay. That's kind of like implementing positive thinking, publishing your idea. And then, and then it's not magic. It's like people like, Oh, I'll help. You know, (laughs) it's a good idea. Yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's sort of my, my contribution to like the, the, the mechanics of what she would have called positive thinking you know but I'm like well in retrospect you're not just thinking you're publishing the idea and people are chipping in in one way or another
1: well yeah the, the universe rewards action is is how we might put it because we can there's a lot of people who believe you know if you you know if you think it you know you can create it and in theory that's true but you do ha- actually have to take action. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were we were talking before the show and I said, you know, I'd like to be a best-selling author. Well, guess what? If I don't write a book, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, we have to combine the thoughts with the actions. But where I found this set point idea so fascinating. Maybe we should like segue over and talk about set points right. and then like back into this this idea. So Um, I was reading about this in a a couple of different books. And these are, in theory, they're money books, but they're written by non-money experts. So they're written by people who have manifested wealth, okay? Mm -hmm. So this idea of a set point is that we all have one, and we can change it, and we can change it over time. It can go up and, and go down. But at any given moment, we have a set point that our... Conscious and unconscious beliefs create for us. So the example would be you have a business and you decide I want to have my first ten thousand dollar month and you get eighty five hundred, you get nine thousand, you drop down to six, but you never quite hit the ton. And then finally you hit the 10, maybe you get to 12, but then you get this giant bill that (laughs) subtracts the the $2,000 that you just exceeded your goal by. And if your experience is like that, the theory behind these books, which I'm finding fascinating, is that these beliefs are holding you back because you're doing the work. I mean, you're not sitting back just waiting for things to happen, but you're actively doing the work and you're getting stymied then there's, there's a set point potentially in your mind around this goal. And mm. in, the, in the bigger scheme of things, it's like you're not allowing yourself to achieve that goal.
0: I, I, would, I would just add a little bit to that and see if you agree with this. It's, it's that you're doing stuff, like it's, it's belief is, is producing actions that are causing the stuckness. So, or, or do you disagree? I mean, I don't think that it's just like the universe didn't send you, you know, won't let yes, you get that's to $15,000. I do. I do.
1: Because yeah. it, it might be that, um, oh, so I sold, you know, 10 programs at $1,000 each. But guess what? The market really thinks they're worth five. <laughs> but I, gee, I don't feel like I could charge five for that. I think I better <laughs> charge 1000 Yeah, You know, that would be that would be an example of that in action.
0: Yeah. Or or me, like the story of back when I was in college, the... Um, my I was working my tail off doing music stuff, like to I was really like all like every waking hour was music related, you know, trying to make a living with music. But my beliefs, just with the girlfriend example, it's like, well, maybe if I acted differently and published my ideas or asked for help or would listen to advice once in a while, which I never did, (laughs) then. (laughs) <laughs> like those are the, those are actions that my um my I would call I would call that self-limiting to belief it wasn't it wasn't around money it was more about it was more about idealism like this is the way it should work like the the music should sell itself if the music was stubborn, was, was good you were stubborn. Yeah, totally stubborn and I was oh, 100% yeah. sure I was right about the way the world worked and I was 100% wrong and so it, it was a belief that produced a set of actions that kept me from getting to where I wanted to go yeah so it's not just yeah I just wanted to like connect it from like yeah you know superstition or like uh, no, self-sabotage this
1: is, yeah this is not airy-fairy stuff although it can sound like it yeah. but it's it's really I think of it as alignment is you're aligning what you're thinking about with what you're doing and you're getting rid of whatever blocks are in your way like the you know 20 something you the block from what you just described was you were really stubborn it's had to be your way and one of the beauties of all of this is opening ourselves up to a different way because all we know is what we know mm-hmm. and there you know you may be the the person who just doesn't believe in the value of what you have and it turns out you could by adjusting one thing two things three things like whether it's your price your audience or how you how you pitch your ideas or just put put your ideas out there you could 2x 3x 5x 10x your result but it's that it's it's that mindset that's keeping you from doing that that's what I think is so powerful if we can just open that up it's like then the world's our oyster
0: Right. Well, when you put it like that, I mean, that's the people who go in my private coaching program are all in a real macro version of that. They're in this macro version, like a, like a five-year version of it where it's like, I have been working my tail off. I'm doing well, you know, maybe doing, a you know, whatever, a million dollars a year or something, you know, maybe they've got a small team or maybe it's 5 million or whatever. They're, they're doing okay, you know, nice house, nice car, all that stuff. But they've, they've been doing the, um, they've just not they're not it's it they're topped they're maxed like they they're doing everything they've been doing and they're doing it as hard as they can and it's a classic like what got you here won't get you there it's and a so set they, point yeah exactly and it's this this group of actions that they've taken over time to get them where they are and but it has a it has a like a maximum you know there's like at a certain point you've you found all the leverage you're going to find with this model and you need to find a bigger lever and that's just a different move yes
1: yeah it's like it's think of it as a plateau and sure. you know mm-hmm. you get to this certain point and and you know we talked before about the gilded hamster wheel this could be a, a bigger one right because it's not just you running on that hamster wheel it's your business model that's running on that wheel and it's time for you know it's time for a new wheel it's time mm-hmm. for something I don't want to say a new wheel because you don't always have to be stuck in a gilded wheel, but it's time to think about it in a different way. And we all get to that point where we have this plateau. And I think the breakthrough is what's so important because it's really, really exciting Mm. when you break through.
0: And I've
1: birthed a lot of those, as I'm sure you have. And it's it's like you can't stop somebody once they go (laughs) push through that barrier until they get to the next plateau.
0: Yeah. Cause think about it. Like when you, when you get, when you get that new lever, then the amount of force, like, like picture literal, like dear listener, literally picture a lever, like a big long bar that you, you know, you've got like a cinder block on the ground and you wedge that thing underneath the back of your car and you hold onto the long end and just your body weight, you know, will lift it to a certain point. And, and it's, you're like, wow, I just like raised up the back of that car when you get a new lever a bigger one then it's like less effort better result like you could lift the car completely off the ground with less effort than with the shorter lever so if you imagine a really short lever like a baseball bat and you're just like rrr, 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 pushing as hard as you can and you can kind of get the car off the ground and you can kind of keep it there and it's like oh man and then you get like a, a 10 foot long like a like a basketball hoop pole, <laughs> and you're way back and you're just like eh, no problem the trick is building the new lever, because like, they don't—they're don't, not laying around on the ground for free. You have to like figure one out and then build it. And what happens is you get—you know—it's—it's it's a force multiplier. So you—you you put in a certain amount of force input, and you get uh, multiplied output. So the, the bigger the lever, the bigger the output, and 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 potentially the less you—less input you need to add. So you could work less and make more. It's like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mind to, blown. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's like you can't lift a car very easily with a baseball bat. So it's like, look for a longer pull. Yeah. Well, so,
1: and, oh, did you have more to say about set points? Sorry. I
0: always have more to say.
1: <laughs> I was switching. So if you've got more, bring it on.
0: Well, the place I was going to go was mindset around look, like realizing that you need to start thinking about instead of pushing down on the baseball bat, you need to stop for a second, let the car down and go look for a bigger lever so like the mindset shift there is like but if i but if i let go of the baseball bat the car is going to fall it's like yeah it is it's not going to destroy the car like your business if the car is the business it's not going to destroy it but yeah it's not going to be up in the air right now so uh, but you need to shift your your mindset so that you can do different activities to brainstorm innovate r&d whatever you know you're going to experiment with to figure out how to make a bigger lever
1: yeah, well, I mean, that all makes sense. And I, I think where where i was uh, where I was going was that sometimes what gets in the way is this limiting belief that says, in order to get more, I have to work harder. Yes, and the only way I can get this is basically by martyring myself yeah. to get to the end. And a lot of times in the in the u s in particular, that hard work ethic dies hard. Mm -hmm. Right. It's I've got to be working all the time. full Hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying hard work isn't important or that work isn't important. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. we have to do that. But this idea that you can only get it if you do all that might be a limiting belief.
0: Yeah, precisely.
1: Yeah. What if that wasn't true? What if you could leverage with a lot of with what you already have? And maybe it's just a couple of tweaks, and it's not about working more. It's about your products or your business model working for you.
0: Mm-hmm. I've seen, here's, here's the easiest one I've ever seen happen. And it's more than once. It's pretty common, though, where, because if somebody's working with me, they, they, start to, um, they start to, they tell me about, like, they get this, like, oh, what would Stark say? They, they know what I would say in this situation. And it happens to them <laughs> while they're talking to clients. So it starts to be like, oh, well, he would never give in and give an hourly rate or even (laughs) never you know and so like stuff that they hear me say all the time it starts coming out of their mouth and and one of the things that uh can really break through can really be the moment of a huge breakthrough for for people is the first time they say no to a client Mm -hmm. so they're in a, a like a sales meeting so they go into a sales meeting and and they they have this attitude of like you know they're trying to Trying to get this new attitude of like, okay, convince me that I'm a good fit for you, mm-hmm. and they put the responsibility on the the buyer and and when they and and then they say, you know what, they'll you know whatever the the meeting comes over and they'll they'll say to me, they'll text me and say like, ah, here's what happened. I'm feeling kind of funny about it. it didn't seem like a great fit. Um, what what do you think I should put in the proposal? I'm like, I think you shouldn't write a proposal. Yep. And they're like, this is a no. They're like. It's like they're, it's like they want to say, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they it's... do. And then here's, here's what, I, I, maybe I'm exaggerating this, but it has definitely happened multiple times. They say no to that obvious red flag client who would have been a nightmare. And three days later, they get a dream client and they wouldn't have been able to do the dream client if they had the nightmare client. So they start to, the the opportunity cost of taking on bad clients is a, is a anti leverage, whatever that is. If you take on clients that are gonna that are going to tax you and and just drain you and go on for a long time, it's like you can't now that time is eaten up or it's gonna be eaten up, and you can't find great clients who will make your life easier and you know not be price buyers, be perfectly fine with your paying your exorbitant fees, and uh, and everybody has a great experience but you know, you never get to those if you're always taking on the first bad client that comes through the door. Yes. Right. And it's such a simple way. Yeah.
1: But that goes back to this idea of limiting beliefs. So in that scenario, the person isn't valuing themselves. Right? right. Like, oh, I either because they're worried about where their next dollars coming from, so like I have to take yeah, it's it, usually that, or maybe yeah. there's a voice in their head that says you don't deserve any better than this. This is the best you get
0: there's another one yep those are all true there's one more that I've heard which is um, well I guess it's related they're all kind of related but it's like I feel worthless if I'm not working all the time
1: yes yes yeah and I I did a, a Twitter chat I don't know month or two ago with a bunch of freelancers and I was just shocked by how many said, oh yeah, you know, I have less than 10% of my clients are ideal clients or, you know, I really like the work I'm doing. And I thought, oh my God, what a drudge. Mm-hmm. You've got to run a business where 90% of your time is spent on issues you don't care about with people you don't like. <laughs>
0: like
1: go, go get a job. Get a job. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it just sounds terrible. Yeah. So, yeah. And we do that to ourselves. And I think the point is that we don't always know what those beliefs are that are driving us. And sometimes it's you can get a coach who shows you and says, oh, you know, the lever's wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Or you're ready for a new one, for a bigger Mm -hmm. one. And so you tweak this or you tweak that. Other times, and I'm not talking about like therapy, but other times it's just deeper, It's there's there's these stories that you tell yourself about your background, your history, what you deserve. I'm thinking of somebody I talked to once who had this great story of being a bat boy for a professional (laughs) baseball team. And I'm like and I'm listening to the story. I'm like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And he was there for some, uh, you know, um, historic no hitter. Big deal. And then he proceeds to say, yeah, you know, nothing ever works out for me. I really, you know, this. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you realize that story? And and it was just so fascinating to me. And it wasn't, you know, he was going to have to rewire his thinking. It wasn't going to get done in five minutes. But when you start to put those things together from your own life and you, you tell yourself a certain story, well, you believe the stories you tell yourself. We all do.
0: And then you act on your beliefs in a way that is exactly. consistent with them, right? Exactly. So I, as you were talking, I'm like, all these other ones are popping into my head that I've heard over the years. Um, I'll, I'll just like lightning around three of them. One of them is, uh, oh, I can never call myself an expert. I'm not the world's best expert at that. I can never present myself as an expert to, to people or an authority or whatever. And that that one it, it comes up all the time. Another one is, uh, oh, these, these are all great ideas, but they won't work for me because... Mm-hmm. And then they list a reason because where I live, because of my gender, because of whatever, they just list a bunch of reasons why it won't work for them. And uh, another one is, I mean, specifically with developers, but this would be true for any technician or craftsperson or whatever your discipline is. um, I I can't stop coding or doing my thing. I can't stop designing or whatever your thing is. I can't stop coding because then I wouldn't be able to consult. So like, like, they think, oh, I, I want to be a consultant because I heard there's more money there and, <laughs> and I don't have to code as much. But if I stop coding, why would anyone listen to my advice? Uh, okay.
1: Yeah. When I'm not doing the thing anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So those, those, all of those come up over and over again.
1: Yeah. 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 And the thing is, it's like, it's hard for us to hear when we say that. Because we're so used to it, it's us, and it takes somebody from the outside to comment on it and and turn it around. And mm-hmm. and you know, it's really. And I'm going to veer into woo-woo territory, but it's it's turning some of those negative things around into something that's positive, like yeah. the guy who was the bat boy. I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'd use that story. It's
0: amazing. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know how hard it is to get one of those roles? And he he didn't know anybody. And he Mm. he got these these famous baseball players, like treated him like a mascot. They gave him Mm. like signed stuff. And I mean, yeah, it's like, well, you're you're special.
0: (laughs) That's a cool, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool story. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like short of getting a coach, it's tough to, how do you look in the mirror? How do you look in the mirror and f- figure these things out?
1: Well, you know there's a really good exercise in one of the books that I'm reading and it's something one of my uh, financial advisor clients talks about as well and they they usually call it money memories. Mm. And so this idea is and it's money is connected to work here. It's we've all had experiences from childhood through today that that were with money that I'm sure some were positive, but you probably remember the negative ones more, right? <laughs> and so the exercise, and I actually I actually did this myself yesterday, so this is all fresh. The exercise is you just keep writing try chronologically until you can't remember anymore mm-hmm. anything around money, particularly negative, just because the idea is you want to get rid of these beliefs and until they're conscious until they're on paper, essentially, or, you know, on your computer, on your screen, Mm. you can't release them. And so I started typing, and I had seven pages. (laughs) (laughs) And I woke up this morning, and I remembered one I'd forgot. (laughs) Seven pages. And and you know, they were things like, you know, I can remember being really young, and my parents were both uh, waitresses and waiters right and uh-huh. so they were they i remember the whole coming home with tip money i remember mm-hmm. that i remember seeing the cash but you know i remember that wasn't negative necessarily i just remember that money was really tight and then and then later i remember they my parents bought my brother a mini bike, but i didn't mm-hmm. get anything like it wasn't for a birthday it wasn't for christmas he just got this minibike and i'm like what
0: mm-hmm.
1: what 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 do I get? Right, right. I want something too. You know, it was things like that and it was really powerful writing these all out. And, and some of them, you know, I was like writing a little story with it. So it's not like it's you know <laughs> seven pages of, of bullet points, but yeah. I was really, I was astounded. And the idea of doing this is that for some people, everything on this list is an emotional charge. And, You know, I've forgotten most of these things, you know, not all of them, but I've forgotten most of them. So there wasn't really an emotional charge around it, because I believe that, you know, when you have a bad experience, as long as I'm learning something from it, it wasn't wasted. But there was still an emotional charge with some of these. And that's the point of a lot of these um, money mindset experts is that how do you identify where the charge is? And that's what doing this exercise does. And then what do you do about it? Mm. So you know, is do I have this thing about everything has to be equal because of of the, the, the mini, bike. mini bike? Although I did get a sewing machine, which I really <laughs> really wanted, so you know, I, I I made sure that that was a temporary aberration. <laughs> but you know, there's lots of other memories in there from, um, you know, a, a business partner where the uh, the revenue sharing wasn't. Um, what's the word I'm looking for wasn't fair Mm -hmm. and 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 I really I have an emotional charge around that still so it's Mm. like okay so I need to I need to think about that but you could do this and you could discover that you just don't believe that you're worthy of having money that your job is to give it away there are some families where that's the whole uh, that's the whole culture if you will where Our job is to take care of others, especially a lot of in the US, a lot of families that have uh, first generation immigrants, you're -hmm. sending money back home and you're sending as much as you can because you're doing so much better and they're in desperate straits. And so if you grow up in a family like that, you can start to think, well, the money isn't mine. The money is is. You know, I'm going to put family in quotes. However, you define that, and so I can only have so much because I need to share it with everybody else,
0: mm. with all
1: of these people. So there are all these different experiences, and everybody's are unique that impact how we think about money, and therefore what we allow ourselves to achieve in our business.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I have no doubt that <clears throat> all sorts of identity, because this this the stories, what you know. If, there, if we're just thinking about money, one still, it becomes this like part of the tapestry of your life. And, and the, those those stories still drive your behavior. That's to me, that's like the connection point where like the woo woo, you know, self-help type stuff where the rubber meets the road, because that, of course, those things, whether you, they're conscious or not, are going to change your decisions and your actions. And, and, you know, I don't. So it's funny because you're talking about like these money stories, and and one really popped into my mind hard. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was bad or good, but uh, it's not even it's not even it's like it's not even interesting. But it was it's weird how strongly it popped into my head. Maybe there's something there. Who knows? I'll think about it. But
1: um, uh, might be an emotional charge if you thought about it that maybe. fast. Maybe it was like it
0: was like uh, there was. I I think this was a thing in the '70s where. Because we didn't have, you know, we're sort of like a lower middle class uh, suburban family. And the, the, I don't know if it was before or after my parents got divorced, but I think it was right after. And I was living, me and my two brothers, little brothers, were living with my mother. And she had these little, you know what, you know what a milk money envelope is? It's like this little tiny manila envelope the size of like an iPhone, kind of. Yeah. And she, I remember those. She's like, like she had this tray and it had all of these uh, little envelopes and she would write it you know this is this is for um the car payment or whatever this is for groceries this Mm -hmm. is for whatever you know and there's like 30 of these little envelopes and (laughs) this is my mother in a nutshell so she gets all organized it's like a craft project this big deal this is how we're going to organize the the money and keep to a budget because obviously you know it was like yeah money was extremely tight you know three kids one income two houses now because my father was paying rent somewhere else and uh and so she painstakingly would take the money and put it in the envelopes (laughs) and then then like it seems like two days later i saw her taking money out of like one envelope for the car or whatever to to pay for groceries and i'm like what was that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is this system for? If you're just gonna like pull money out of whichever one has money and go like it go out to dinner or or like buy pizza or something, and uh, I, I'm totally not throwing stones because you know I'm sure it was terrifying. It's actually that
1: is a money system that there are still some gurus out there that recommend that. It's yeah, cash. It didn't work People for my mother. Who, yeah, <laughs> yeah. People who spend more than they have, it it is it's a it's a way to to get around that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was the yeah. that was the one that popped into my mind. It's just like I was so confused. I'm like, why don't you just make a big pile of money and keep get rid of the envelopes. It's such a pain just stuffing it in there and taking it back out like. <laughs> so stupid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, know, I was I was um looking at my list of the of the money memories and I would totally forgotten about this. When I first started with a big consulting firm, I'd moved from Uh, Hartford Connecticut outside of Hartford down to Stamford and Stamford is it's a city in Connecticut, but it's really a suburb of New York and I didn't quite get what it would cost to live there. I mean, I didn't really think about it So they when they gave me the job they asked me how much I wanted and I don't remember as many years ago I think it was maybe like twenty five thousand dollars something like that and they paid me 30 and I thought oh my god I didn't ask for enough because 30 was the minimum so then once I started (laughs) there were three of us three associates together and two women and a guy and the guy was making so much more money than me Mm. and I realized it I didn't feel it's interesting I didn't never at that moment felt like it was sex discrimination he was smart enough to ask for more yeah. If they were giving me thirty, they probably would have given me forty or fifty. Right. I didn't know enough to ask, right. and I was just so you know, little girl from the country. I was so <laughs> happy to have that job, and what was funny is that thirty thousand at that time was really hard to to eke out a living.
0: Yeah, I'm sure in
1: in, in that big city because it was so much more expensive than where I came from, hmm. and so so that was a lesson. It's like you got to ask. Because if you don't ask, especially you know when when you're employed, if you don't ask, you're not going to get. But it's the same thing with clients, is if we just sit back and assume that this is all that's worth, or this is all our products or our services or offerings are worth, um, that's all you're going to get.
0: Oh, you just yeah, you just tapped into a whole uh, well of rant, <laughs> the rant the rant well. <laughs> you just struck oil. Um, Yes, so here's a classic one. Here's here's this there's two sides to this where people people, all right, so the easy one is um people I work with who bill by the hour have no idea what they're worth. They think they know what they're worth. Like I'm worth $200 an hour. It's like but that no, N O. That is not the way to think about it. That it that doesn't even make sense. So it, so the problem is they don't know what their contribution is actually worth to their clients they think that their hours are worth something and they're they contribute to an outcome but the outcome is what is really worth something so if you're pricing your time your hour you're pricing the wrong thing that's not what they're buying they're buying what they think those hours are going to add up to and you know for their business what is the transformation that those hours are going to make for them so they they don't even have a clue um what a particular contribution was worth to like a past client so one of the exercises that i have people go through when they just have no idea is i have them go back and get a very with a very specific set of questions go back and get testimonials from all their old clients especially their favorite ones or the ones they felt were really big successes and and they're and, and the responses that they get back are all you know they're usually shocking to the they're always much more high level than you were expecting you know like oh that time that i like you know figured out that really gnarly coding problem or that business logic or whatever it's never that it's always like this transformed our business you know after we worked with alice the the conversions on our website quadrupled it's always some business outcome you know it it's and and you got to ask these specific questions because if you don't then you'll get like oh they you know she had clean fresh breath and like always on time and a pleasure to work with and and <laughs> What well, you really fresh breath. Yeah, it's like it's hygiene like you get these hygiene kind of You know, that's that's just table stakes like being a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get it. You're a professional Um, but people don't know what to write. It's it can be really awkward They want to help you and they're like, well, I don't know what how can I help you? Like how can I write this in a way that's going to help you and then they just kind of like Devolve into this, you know, oh, you know, he's he's such a great guy you know, real, Pleasure to be around, you know, it's like meaningless mm-hmm. Um, so if you ask the questions in the right way, you get back these answers that communicate. Well, first of all, tell you what you should have charged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell, tell you what it, tell, it. They tell you retroactively what your contribution was worth. It's the kind of stuff you try to figure out before you give them a proposal in the first place. But since since most of the people uh, who bill by the hour don't, they wouldn't. There'd be no reason for them to do that. Um, they they just don't know the answer. So you can go back and find out what your particular contribution to that particular client was worth to the client and then try and excre- extrapolate it into the future. So when you talk to someone who's who's similar or, you know, you could say like an order of magnitude larger or smaller or you know that kind of thing, you can you can kind of get better at, you know, guesstimating what your contribution might be worth to this kind of a client and then price based on that. So that that whole story is just to illustrate I don't know if I want to call it a limiting belief. It's it's a, yeah, it is a limiting belief. It's just wrong. Like that you think your hour is worth something when it's really not. What's worth something is the outcome. So if you're pricing the wrong thing, you're just going to be trapped in this low leverage situation.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, sort of, some would say the limiting belief is it's $300 an hour, not a hundred. Your point is it's not about the hourly rate. So it's it's also about, tuning into who it is you're serving so that you know what it is that you're impacting. And whether it's billing by the hour or just we tend to look at what we put into something as being the outcome.
0: Yes, right.
1: So if, you know, yeah, if, if, if you know, uh, <laughs> if I have a hammer, everything's a nail. It's uh-huh. like a, it's like the PR person who says, you need a PR person. Let me help you with this. It doesn't matter how they price it. They're selling it as PR instead of selling it as we are going to get you positioned in this publication, that one, and this one, and we want you to be seen as the authority on X. There's mm-hmm. a big difference in those.
0: Yeah, right. It's like saying instead. It's like saying, "Look how hard I'm pushing on this lever," instead of saying, "Look how hard far, far the car is off the ground." It's like yes. that's they're they're like I'm pushing so hard. It's like yeah, but the car's not moving. But I'm pushing <laughs> so hard. It's like I don't care. I need the car off the ground. You know, it's like, get a longer I lever. I don't care how hard you're pushing.
1: <laughs> I, I, had, I had an assistant years and years ago, and um, we were doing Christmas cards or holiday cards um, for clients, and I, th- I think she designed it, which was unusual then, you know? But she created this, and they came in, and there was a typo in the card. And I opened it up, and I'm like, there's a typo, we can't use this, there's a typo. And her face fell, and she said, but, but isn't it pretty? And I looked and I said, yes, it is, but we still can't use it. And then later she explained to me that she needed for me to say how beautiful it was and what a great job she'd done. And I appreciated all that, but there was a typo. We had to, we had to throw them away and start over. And it was one of those things where I had a really hard time complimenting around the job. <laughs> but You're I worked so hard
0: that. on it. But they're garbage. But I worked so hard on it. They're yeah. garbage right?
1: <laughs> I remember that oh
0: literal garbage yeah, oh, I felt
1: bad. I did tell her how beautiful the design was because it was, but yeah. you know it whatever money was spent was wasted, and we had to do them again.
0: That's a classic example, right? a classic yeah. example of like like the input versus the output oh my
1: yeah, God. exactly.
0: Mm. all right, so I guess what are what's her advice here? I mean, it's like try and dig up you know what see if you can reverse engineer, maybe look at your behavior and see if you can reverse engineer the beliefs that are leading to it, or you could sort of, you know, do that. i was going
1: to say, I would do that. I would do the money memories thing. I really would. I know it's not, you know, a a one-to-one ratio from that to your business, but I think after you do it and you go back and you, maybe you, you put a star next to the things that have a strong emotional charge for you, and then look at, your business the problem whatever problem you're having in your business and say huh I wonder <laughs> if there's a relationship right between these two right I mean i I would I would start with that because it might be as simple as you're not taking advantage of opportunities when they arise I mean I had this happen the other day with with the book announcement in LinkedIn and somebody connected with me and their message said something like you know I'm a new freelancer. I never knew it was going to be so hard. I'm glad I'm doing it. But God, I need some inspiration. It'd be great to have a virtual coffee with you. Mm. So I just connected with them. And then they wrote back and said, uh, and I said, I'm sure you'll get plenty of inspiration from the book, because this was all part of the you know promotional launch period. And they wrote back and said, Oh, no, I missed that. Um, but I'm sure there's some good stuff in there, something like that. And I thought, seriously? I've just told you there's a book that's written just for people like you that many people have said it's inspirational, and you miss the free period, so you can't spend like $10 to discover that, but you want me to spend an hour inspiring you? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> but I use that example because – that person isn't taking advantage of the options that they have.
0: Oh and God, that's such a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not investing in business.
1: Yeah, I could sit there, and there was a time I would have done this, I must say. I could have sat there and said, Oh, darling, you poor thing. Of course I'll spend an hour of my time and inspire you. No. i gave you a tool and i even offered it for free um so the free period is over but it's still 10 bucks it's like Mm. i think you could spend that on your future if what you're saying is true yeah
0: i know yeah Yeah. just just in general i I see yeah we don't even need to go down the rabbit hole it's like so many people are just like won't invest in tools this is super true with software developers. I don't know if it's probably probably specific to software developers. They just need to build everything themselves. And wow. it's like it's like, come on. You know, this stuff is off the shelf. You don't need to build your own email service provider so that you can start a mailing list.
1: <laughs> well, we we get some of that on the consulting side with people who want to do their own websites as an example. Right. They want to do things that are not in their in their genius zone or anywhere close to their genius zone because it's about saving money
0: yeah because they want to save a couple grand
1: yeah and that's sort of saying oh uh, you know my business isn't worth investing in and don't get me wrong I get we have bootstrap businesses all the time and that happens but once you're you know you're launched then there's certain things that are going to move you faster if you invest in them and a website Mm -hmm. would be one of them typically yeah a
0: lot of times yep. yeah well cool hopefully that's enough to chew on for the dear listener, <laughs> enough woo <woo-woo>. woo. <laughs> enough woo. Yeah, but me. I would
1: be curious if anybody um, has any feedback about um, set their set points. If if any of you listeners have experienced this in your business, whether you call it a set point or a plateau, and um, if you broke through it or you're working on it now, I mean, I just think it's a it's it's something that we all experience at different points. And the more you have your business, the more you're going to have another plateau. That's the beauty of this. It means you're making progress Right. when, when you have the, that set point and, and you break through it. You'll create a new one,
0: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's like, oh, I
1: can't imagine having a $100,000 a month. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? <laughs> At some point, that may become, oh, yeah, I can't imagine having a $500,000 a month.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: We hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.